The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. Welcome to Motherhood Unstressed, a podcast for anyone who wants to let go of stress and anxiety, take their power back, and learn how to create a truly beautiful life. Each week, I'm speaking with amazing individuals who are experts in the field of entrepreneurship, fitness, nutrition, motherhood, sex, and so much more. I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. I'm a mom, a blogger, and a certified health coach. I'm obsessed with personal growth and change, and I've helped women all around the world regain alignment with what they truly value in life and remove the blocks preventing them from living their life to the fullest. If you're ready to stop living a half-life and move fully into your power, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey guys, Sam here. Liz has lost her voice, so I'm stepping in to introduce today's episode. In it, Liz speaks with private chef and Food Network star Simone Lett. Simone shares her difficult road to the top of the culinary world and how her faith got her through the darkest times. Uh, If something in this episode touches you, share it with a friend and hit those five stars on iTunes. You can even screenshot a pic of it and upload it into your Insta stories and say what it was that you really liked about the episode. Uh, Liz will then share it back out to the community. Uh, So without further ado, here is Liz's conversation with Simone Lett. This episode is brought to you by Motherhood Unstressed CBD Supplements. If you are looking for a gift for someone, this just may be the perfect one. CBD is amazing for helping the body deal with anxiety, stress, sleep, and even seasonal affective disorder. Uh, Go to motherhoodunstressed.com to get your bottle today. Well, hey, Chef Simone. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. And you are a Food Network alumni, and it's my favorite (laughs) channel in the entire world. I could watch it all day long. So I'm excited to talk to you about that, but also about your personal journey and your story, because I find it fascinating. And I know that when we share our life stories and what we've been through, we lift others up. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's, it's awesome. I'm so excited. So why don't we start, what made you want to be a chef? Take us to the origin story. Oh, wow. Okay. So I originally wanted to be a track star. My mom would not put me in the Colgate games and things like that. I I just don't think she had the funds. And so I was very much an outdoor kid and my mom never knew I could cook. And so I'm the first, I'm the oldest First grandchild, oldest in the family. And so being the oldest and a girl, you're expected to cook. Well, I ran away from the kitchen from my mom because she was always yelling. Mm. <laughs> so my, my dad was a construction worker. So that during the winter, he didn't get a lot of work in New York. So he brought me in the kitchen. And I, was, I remember I was nine years old. And he taught me how to make chicken, fried chicken. I never forget it. Um, he let me cut it up, season it everything. And then he got the brown bag, put it in the bag, started (laughs) to shake it up. And I was like, this is nice. I like it a lot. But I was so afraid that if he told my mom, I would have to cook every day and I wouldn't have any time to play. (laughs) So I told him, I was like, please, please, please don't tell my mom. Just, just, 
can this be our little secret? So when he was home, he would let me cook. Mm. And she'd never know. And so my mom did not know that I could cook until I was 17. Oh, wow. And my grandmother, everybody hid it from her. And so my, I come from a family of uh, a military family and I had enlisted into the service. And my mom was like, well, what are you going in as? And I said, I'm going to be a food specialist. And she was like, what? <laughs> you can't even cook. It was so funny because everyone in unison was like, she's been cooking since nine. Oh my God. <laughs> the best. I mean, it was priceless. If we had cell phones back then, that would have been perfect. <laughs> and she had no idea. So I went overseas um, to Germany and I love the culture. Um, and I, I was fortunate that again, wasn't many, we had girls in the, in the, in the kitchen, but I was the only one that took a real interest in it. And I remember having these biscuits, just these, the dough in my hand. And I was like, oh my God, I could do this all the time. It's just mm. feels so great. Now, mind you, biscuit dough on your hands is not the best feeling. <laughs> <laughs> it's all sticky and it's messy. And I'm just like, you know, wow, this is, this is really great. And then my sergeant gave me full reign into the kitchen. Mm. So I was able to do inventory, select the menus, do all of these things. And that's when I realized, yeah, you got something here. Mm -hmm. And so the KPs, which is our kitchen patrol help, um, they were German. So they taught me a lot of the German cuisine. I was across the street from a German restaurant. So I'd go across the street and kind of learn the schnitzel and the croquettes and all these different types of German foods. And I fell in love with it. And that's where I was like, this is what I want to do. So when I got out of the service, I didn't realize how huge the hospitality Mm. field is. There's so many ways you can go. What do you want to do? You want to cook on a ship? Do you want to go overseas? Stay overseas? Do you want to work in fine dining? Where do you want to go? And I had no idea. I had no idea. So I was like, okay, well, okay, God, I don't know what to do. So where do I go? And I was, I remember coming out and I was planning on moving to Texas because I had already found my culinary school. And I, was, I had found an apartment. I was like, this is where I'm going. And a friend of mine that was in the service suggested I move to Florida. The weather's the same. Everything's the same. It is not the same. It's like <laughs> night and day. I couldn't believe it. And then they didn't have a culinary program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was like work for Disney on an apprenticeship program. And so I, I questioned it out, looked at it, and it was like $6.10. I'm like, I'm a grown a woman. I can't be, <laughs> I've never worked for minimum wage in my life. <laughs> so I don't even know. And that wasn't even minimum wage. It was just like, right. how are you going to live off of $6 and 10 cents? And so what I wound up doing was getting my degree in hospitality management. So that's how I know the business side of it. And then as soon as I graduated with that degree, Le Cordon Bleu came to Orlando I remember looking at the co- the commercial and I was like, I was eating and I dropped everything. It was like, oh my God, I need to call them. And so I did. They scheduled me in for a tour. And I remember when she took me into the kitchen, I kid you not, I took a deep breath in and could smell all the steel of the appliances because it reminded me of being in the military because mm-hmm. that's what you smell is grease and steel. Wow. <laughs> And I burst into tears. I was like, oh, my God, this is my dream. This is what I've always wanted. And 
That lady was looking at me like, are you okay? Like, you don't <laughs> understand. I've been trying to do this for like ever. And mm-hmm. you've given me this great opportunity. I thank you so much. And I excelled. Um, I graduated in, with honors. It was amazing. And um, I still had no idea what to do. Where am I going? What am I going to do? Where am I going to be? And so I worked um, behind the scene, behind the lines in the different restaurants. Um, did not like it. <laughs> All the yelling and the cussing and my type of personality. If you're going to yell at me and cuss at me, are you going to get yelled at and cussed back? Mm. And if you're going to throw something at me, I'm going to throw something back. Oh, wow. We will be in jail. So <laughs> that was not for me. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, what do I do next? And a, um, an executive chef had um, pulled me aside and asked me, you know, what about the cooking excites you? And so I told him, you know, I like, I want to see everything. I want to get in with the people. I want to create stuff for them and just transform the whole place. And he says, that sounds like banquets. Mm. So, oh, okay. So I went to banquets. So I worked for Lowe's for a couple of years and a, a couple of other hotels in banquets. And that was not my, it was great. I learned how to do mass production again, from the military as well, but it was on a higher end level. And so we did that, but I never got to interact with the clients. Like I didn't know who they were. I didn't interact with the guests. And so someone suggested catering. And so I was like, okay. So I'd gone into catering. Now this is all while I'm still in school. I'm Mm -hmm. still in school with this. And so I'm, I found a, a, a a couple of catering places. And then there was one that I felt I could sink myself in. They would give me the opportunity for the front of the house and the back. And so I worked with him for a while and I got my, while I was in school, I was do, I was able to do my internship there. And so the moment I said to the chef, I want to do what you're doing. He immediately kicked me. He was like, okay, you, you got to get out of here. You, you, I can't have you in my kitchen. Because he thought I was going to steal his ideas. And see, this is what the deal was. So we would make the same food. And so he'd have like all these um, office projects, clients that we would send food out, especially for the holidays. So it would be the same menu. So I'd send, we make the same exact food, same thing. His food would literally come back with complaints. Mine's never did. Mm. They would be like, you know, we would love some more of so-and-so and we would like to have you for blah, blah, blah. And he would be hot. Mm. <laughs> so we'd go to these events and I would, he would put me in charge of all the food and everything was taken care of. If he took over, it was, a, it was just mayhem and foolishness. And so I think he was intimidated by that. And sure. so in the middle of, I think I had maybe a couple of months, maybe two months, he, or maybe a month, 30 days or so, he kicked me out and I was like, dude, you gonna mess up my, my school. I got, <laughs> you know, I need a certain amount of hours. And I had the, um, he had a full catering where it included wedding planning, um, decor, everything. And so the wedding planner took to me, I never forget her name was Michelle. And she took me in and she said, don't worry about him. I will take care of all your paperwork it's going to be fine. Don't worry. You'll just work here in the front with me. So she taught me the front of the house. So I learned how to do um, timelines for brides. I understand the timing when things are supposed to be done. I understood how tables are supposed to be set, what fluff is. Nobody knew what that was. I was like, what's a fluff? 
Oh, this is just cyber. <laughs> you just make the tables pretty. I had no idea, you know, because as a, you know, as a chef or a cook, you only know what's going on on that end, on that side of the world. So I was blessed to be able to learn both sides, the front and the back. And that's what helped my company. That's what still helps my company to date. But even in, so we graduate, it's time I'm done. And I still like, I can't start my own catering business. I don't have catering money with, I don't have that. And I'll we, we had certain people would come into our school during the job fairs. And this one particular chef came in, her name is chef candy. She started a, an organization called American chef private and personal chef association. I never heard of a personal chef, never heard of a private chef. I always thought that, you know, people that were coming into your homes, they were butlers. I didn't know that they had cooks too that came and mm. cooked in the homes. And she was like, I have been a personal chef for X amount of years and I started my own company. And I was like, wait, hold up. A personal chef, like maybe, like you come, I can come out of school, join your, join your organization and go into people's homes with my grandmother's recipes mm-hmm. <laughs> and the recipes I learned in culinary school and cook in their house for myself. She says, absolutely. I said, sign me up today. I paid $75 and I've been a personal chef for 14 years. Wow. It yeah. seems like whenever it was turning down, you met the right person at the right time. That's what happens. You know, I tell people, you have to learn to see the crumbs on the road and follow them. Follow the trail. Um, sometimes it looks like it's going to lead you into a deep hole. And, and that was for me a lot of times too. But that whole turn at the end of that hole, there's this huge abundance of light. Well, I kind of want to talk about that. I mean, because you've been really open about the ups and downs in your life. Um, Mm -hmm. So what would you say um, to someone who is listening to this right now, who may be going through a tough time? How did you get through it? What, what kept you going? What kept me going, first of all, is my faith. Um, I'm a strong believer in God, but my family grew up in the church, but I didn't know I thought God was like super far away. Um, Like you only called on him when you need certain things. Like he was your sugar daddy. (laughs) And I learned, I learned through my trials and tribulations um, that he's not that um, and whatever it is that you, you believe in. But for me, my, my faith, it was, it was God. And um, I was a, a, a loud mouth child. I was always mouthy, always had something to say, always was questioning everything and everyone. And so I think he wanted that was, that was a gift. And I didn't realize that it was a gift. I thought it was uh, a bad trait that I had. I didn't realize that my strength and outspokenness and tenacity and will to just continue was a gift. So what I would say to someone that's struggling is to constantly um, sit down in the quiet moments and self-talk. Self-talk for me um, got me out of my deepest pits. Um, because you'll hear these voices that say, you can't, you won't, you'll never be, what if? And you have to muster up the little bit of strength that you can, can muster and say, no, I, can, I, I feel like I can do this. I feel like I am supposed to be greater. And that's what I constantly kept saying to people. Like I would, certain things would happen to me and I would feel like, Simone, you're so much bigger than this. But I didn't know how to channel it. I didn't know where to channel it. 
how to utilize these, these feelings and gifts that I felt. And I am so thankful for the people that came into my life that brought little nuggets. I mean, Mm -hmm. especially when I was home, when I went through my homeless stint in the midst of my catering company, the personal chef stuff collided and it collided in a good way. I was growing extremely fast (laughs) and I had like three people to my staff. I'll never forget. It was like three of us knocking out these, these events and doing personal chef private parties. And my two private chef clients um, wanted me to cater an event for them. And I was like, I've never done that. Um, I don't even have catered. I don't even have the, the equipment to do that. And they put in their budget enough for me to get my chafing sets, my pots, certain knives um, that I still have to date. I still have, I won't get rid of the rickety pots because they remind me of my struggles and where I was, my small beginnings. And I started my first event. And from that first event, other events came and it grew. And within that growing, my ex-husband at the time was spiraling and I didn't, I didn't know he was spiraling because <laughs> I, I guess I was all into my stuff and I just didn't see his. And um, he got addicted. He, become a, he became addicted to drugs. He, he hid it under the alcohol. So I thought it was alcohol. So we were planning on um, getting him into rehab and all these things and driving him into, towards Tampa to rehab. The day it looks in Florida, it could be raining on one side, clear on the other street. And so it's lightning and all this stuff is going on, but it's sunny on my side of the street. Wow. <laughs> so I'm looking at the sky like, oh my God, it's so pretty and pink. That's my favorite color. Ooh. And next thing I know, my car gets struck by lightning. <gasps> I couldn't believe it. I, I didn't even realize until people started pointing at me on the highway. Like pointing, oh my God, oh my God. I'm looking at them like, what the hell is your problem? What are you talking? Because when you're on the road, on the highway, cars are moving. So you think you're moving too. (laughs) Until until I smell this burnt rubber. And I'm like, what is that? So I'm thinking, oh, the battery died. I get out the car and I kid you not, Liz, it looked like I was in a drive-by shooting. When lightning hits your car, it looks like bullet shots. Wow. Like literal, I mean, literally somebody took a gun and just shot my car up and it stopped at where, um, you put the gas at. So when the triple A people came, they were like, um, Oh my God. First of all, nobody had ever seen it. Everybody's told you're the safest in your car. And when there's a lightning storm, right? you run in your car. Yeah. Nah, not this sister. No, (laughs) (laughs) that didn't happen for me. So he was like, I've never seen this. You know, if you didn't fill up this car, your car, you would have, there would have been a huge explosion. Mm. I would have died. Oh my God. And so we get told, finally gets him to his rehab. I get, I don't know how, I can't even remember how I made it home. But when I make it home, there's an eviction notice on my, um, on my door. Mm. And the place I had already been complaining and I went to the city because my landlord wouldn't fix anything. And so the land, the place was filled with mold and um, roaches were everywhere, everywhere. And I was like, I've never lived anything. I've never lived like this in my life. And so I kept complaining, complaining. And I found, I guess by me complaining to the city, they did an investigation 
And so they were like, this place is condemned. And I think I had like seven days to leave. I had no job, didn't know where I was going because I was trying to, um, I was trying to save a marriage that was, was already gone and I didn't know. And so like, as what we do as women, we, we fight for what we think we should fight for. Right. Mm-hmm. So I thought that my marriage was worth fighting for. I even, even in prayer, it was like, you need to fight for this, fight for this, fight for this. But we, there's got to be a time when you know, okay, you, the fighting is done, sister. Mm-hmm. Leave that thing alone. And I didn't. <laughs> so, but it was, you know, I think it was a tragedy that turned into a triumph for me um, because I, I grew closer in my faith. I also, what I think, and I, I, I the person that I am today is because of that whole homelessness situation. I think that if I hadn't have gone through it, I probably would have been a very arrogant chef because I was good at what I do. I still am. Mm. And, you know, chefs have this, this aura about them. You know, they know, we know who we are. We got this. We're very confident and very cocky. And I think that God did not want that for me because my, I believe that our gifts and talents are for others to share and help bring them in and to you, for you to be a light to somebody else, somebody else that's trying to figure themselves out. And so by going through that homelessness, it, I, it drew me closer to him. I had no idea who I was. I, sh- I learned my identity. I learned, okay, Simone, you got a lot of pains and hurts on the inside of you. You got to get them out. And I had no idea. And the first, someone gave me a journal and said, you need to start journaling mm-hmm. your, your, your feelings. And so I journaled every single thing I went through, everything. And it was the most therapeutic thing I could have ever done. And I remember, I tell people that are single, enjoy your singleness enjoy people are running around trying to get married but enjoy your singleness because that's what that's the place and time when you get to know who you are intimately Mm -hmm. if you take the time to do it and I did I I enjoyed myself so much that when my husband came along I didn't even want to marry him I was like oh no I I really enjoyed my singlehood (laughs) but it, it taught me um the depthness of who I am as a person and that I'm a very giving person And I also think being a part of women's ministry and helping women going to, uh, I did a lot of volunteering at my church and prisons. Mm -hmm. And that's when I found, that's what really humbled me when I was besides the the, the homelessness, because even with the homelessness, I was still a character. I was cussing folks mad because I had so much anger. Like, how could I get, how could I be this way? And to be honest, my mom, my family didn't even know that I, I went, I was homeless. They would have, my mom being who she is, she would have pulled me and saved me. And I don't think that's what God wanted. I know that's not what God wanted me to do. He didn't want anybody to come save me. He wanted to save me because otherwise I'd have been depending on people as my source. And my mom did not know I was homeless until I got that book, until I wrote the book and gave it to her. Right. Upset and and in tears. (laughs) And your book is entitled The Lily in the Valley. Lily in the Valley. Lily in the Valley. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Such strength. I mean, it's, and I know the listener right now is, I mean, I was getting chills while you were talking. I mean, turning wow. <laughs> terrible things that happen into triumphs. I love that. I love that. That's so crucial. Um, but transitioning to your career, talk to us about what it's really like to be a chef. And then talk to us about how you got on the Food Network. 
Well, you know, we kind of get into our own bubbles, you know, because you're you're doing this entrepreneur thing. You have your goals set and you're in this you're you're enclosed in this bubble. And so I didn't realize how hard it was for me until we got our brick and mortar building. Our first building, um, we were starting to we were growing extremely fast. Um, There was the top five catering companies. I think we were number six because we were right there alongside of them. And for me, the hardest thing was being, I believe a woman, as a woman chef, it's very difficult. Um, you're you're kind of overlooked. They think you don't know, you're not an expert in your field and you are. Um, and then of course, being African-American makes it even tougher because that industry, that's, it's, it's a white industry. It's, it's like, this is it. And it's a man dominant. You know, men are in the kitchen. And the sad thing is, is, is what amazes me is you learn how to cook by your mother. It's very rare that you say, you hear someone say that my dad taught me how to cook. My dad did teach me how to cook, but he learned from his mother. Mm-hmm. And so we get such, you know, they, they put us in these places like salad section and desserts but I don't want to do desserts. I want to do the grill. No, you can't do the grill now. You have to go over here. And so it was, it was a battle behind the house, behind the back of the house. It's just like, my God, you know, you have to really show yourself. And, and to do that, you got to take on this masculine energy to, to show everybody, you know, I got this. I can hold my own. And that, you know, you can kind of lose yourself in that too because you're becoming so masculine Mm. that you can't even become vulnerable and I've learned being a personal chef people ain't letting you into their homes into their events without being personable so you have to be personable you have to be um warm and inviting approachable and sometimes in the back of the kitchen you can kind of drift away and be so insular and you're not realizing how you're coming across. So for me, it's been, it was extremely tough um, trying to get help and then having men come in and work under you, Lord Jesus. It was very (laughs) difficult. It was like, I know what I'm doing, dude, but you don't have your own business. Mm. You don't have anything. You don't even have, okay, so what? That's great that you know how to play. Wonderful beautiful but do you know how to run the front of the house do you know how to talk to the client sometimes you may have a passion for a a a menu that's your passion but they only want yellow rice and some baked chicken Mm -hmm. (laughs) they don't want your talent they just want you to cook something simple for them and that's when you have to learn okay at this point in time I have to give them what the client I have to give the client what the client wants there's some times where you can integrate and, and, and kind of convince them. I do that a lot. Mm-hmm. I know you don't know what this is, but let, <laughs> let me bring it to Trust you. Trust me, but it's good. <laughs> trust me. And so I have a lot of clients that they'll hear us, they'll hear a name of something and like, I don't know if that's going to be good. So what I typically will do, I'll give them what they ask for. And then I'll also present what I wanted them to have, what I ultimately want them to have. And mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, they're going to take what I want. Right. Instead of me fussing and fighting and, you know, trying to get them to see my point, the, my flavors and my food will speak for me. Mm. Yeah. But it's tough in the, in, as, a, as a woman. Um, but we, I, I, what I'm grateful to see is that we're 
we're making, our voices are being heard. We're coming out of the shadows and it's just so cool to see. Well, and honestly, that's what you're doing right here, right now in this moment. I mean, putting a spotlight on your life experience is giving so many more women out there listening to this who are aspiring chefs or whatever it may be. She did it. I can do it too. You know, and it wasn't easy, but you know, if I keep going, I'll get where I need to go. Exactly. That's very true. Yeah. So talk to us about Cook's First Cons. Oh, man. Okay. So Cook's versus Cons, I love, just like you like food, I love Food Network. Oh, and my Cook's God. Cook's versus Cons and um, Guy Fury, my favorites, some of my favorites. And so I, I always watched it every Tuesday. And something would be like, you know, Simone, apply, apply. Mm. No, I don't think I'm good enough. No, no, I don't know. And so one day, um, someone in my kitchen was thinking that, you know, I had fallen off because I had shifted a lot of my cooking um, to the to the staff. And so I guess they felt like, ah, oh, you ain't got it. You 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 kind of old school. So I was like, all right. I called in a, a photographer, and I just played in the kitchen took out all kinds of stuff and just started plating and doing certain, you know, different, different entrees. And she would take pictures of them. And the pictures were beautiful. I mean, I was like, Oh my God, they're so pretty. (laughs) This is so awesome. And I'm sitting there, come home and I'm looking at the television. And of course it's cooks versus cons. And I hear something say, um, apply and send the new pictures Mm -hmm. that you took. And I did that. And I kid you not, three or four days later, them people called me. Wow. I could not believe it. When I heard on the other line, this is so-and-so. I said, say what? <laughs> <laughs> what? This is awesome. So I had to go through an interview process and finally got picked to go on. And it was just so freaking cool. It was the mm. best. I mean, it was it was my dream. I called after it was all said and done. I remember calling my mom and telling her, didn't I tell you when I was a little girl, I was going to be on TV? Oh, I, I was going to be that. big. Look, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. And it was the best experience ever. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so talk to us about your company here in Atlanta. You recently moved from Florida. So you're here now. It's called Wishful Concepts. Um, what's your plan for it? Where do you see it going? Wow. So... Atlanta, I'm so glad to be here. It's been a blessing. It really has. The people here are amazing. The energy, the um, collaboration is phenomenal. And that, when I came last year just to visit some friends and kind of see if this was something we were going to do, I noticed that. Mm. And so for me, for our company, I want to do the same thing, some of the sim- some similar things to what we did in Orlando, except I want to add... Um, the film into there. I want our personal chef company. I want it to grow into a company opposed to one, two people in, mm-hmm. in, the, in the company. I want it. I want different chefs that I can send out and um, send to clients. So I want to bring my personality. I want to bring my talent here and my love for food and people to Atlanta and watch it grow. I love entertaining. And so I want wishful concepts to be a company that is about entertainment and, you know, and fun and all that good stuff. And I think too, with your background in TV production, I mean, it's the perfect location for you to be and who knows what could happen out of that. I know. I know the food network stars was like, 
the best also. I mean, that's from Cooks versus Cons. I was able to get on Food Network Star mm-hmm. because of that. They were like, you know, right. we love your personality and you were so great there. And it was just an amazing experience. I got to meet some phenomenal chefs that have become really close friends. Mm. I'm really grateful for all of that. So I'm looking forward to shaking up Atlanta and seeing what's there and what's good and, and meeting fantastic people, including amazing chefs that I've already been fortunate enough to meet at just, just last year. Wow. And to move here, it's just, it's been amazing. It's been really amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love hearing about your journey. I mean, it seems like you are just so in alignment with where you need to be. And you listen, you listen to your intuition. You listen to all these signs coming to you. I mean, that's I try really- to, I try, but it, it's hard. It's not easy. It's not, <laughs> but I try to, um, there's moments where I self-doubt, which is, Probably why I didn't, on the, the Food Network stars, I let doubt come in and I didn't let my full personality shine through. Beautiful. So beautiful. Well, I do have some uh, rapid fire questions for you. I always awesome. end the interview this way. Okay. Um, okay. So let's do it. Cooking to me is? Cooking to me is joy and sharing. Mm, I believe in? I believe in love and people. And I believe in the underdogs. Mm, I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for my husband and my family. Love it. And last question. What's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? (sighs) Wow. (laughs) Faith changes. It looks different. It's not always the same. You go in one way, but you come out another. Mm, I just got chills. (laughs) Beautiful. So uh, for our listeners, what's the best way to find you online, connect with you on social? Well, I am. I'm everywhere. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn. My Instagram page is Chef Simone. And you can find me on my website, chefsimone.com. You can also email me at cuisine at wishfulconcepts.com or info at chefsimone.com. Beautiful. And can we catch old episodes of you on the Food Network? Because you, you sure know can. I'm going to be looking. <laughs> you sure can. You sure can. I'm a hoot, I tell you. <laughs> oh my God. I enjoyed yeah. so much. I think I got chills four to five times. I just, <laughs> I'm so inspired by you. And I want to take what you've done. I want to really start listening more to my intuition and picking up the signs because clearly it has led you to a beautiful career and you're a beautiful person. And just Oh, thank life. you. This was so, this was awesome. I, I you got me on like, this is like my cherry on top of the day. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for having me. This was so awesome. You know, I enjoy inspiring others. I think that when I've done that, the universe is happy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Simone Lett. If something this episode touched you, make sure to give it those five-star ratings. Post it on your Insta story. Tag Liz and Motherhood Unstressed, and she will share it back out with the community. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.